I am going to be uh, walking through quite a bit of, of scripture today. And uh, man, it is, uh, so we have been walking, uh, just join the story. The whole point is that God has a story. He wants us to be a part of it. Uh, Matthew really lays this out when he talks about the kingdom of heaven and how we're supposed to be a part of it. And so last week we were uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 20. Uh, we looked at uh, how the, the men have, were comparing, uh, and we go listen to that message. I won't re-preach it. But this week we're in Matthew. Uh, we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 25. So I have to catch you up with what's happened from Matthew 20 to Matthew 25 so that you're on board with this. And uh, even if you're first time uh, here, you'll, you'll catch this. So Matthew chapter 21, things get to be have fun. So uh, we, we show that map real quick. Here's the map. Of where Jesus was a couple weeks ago in Matthew, we've been following him. He made a uh, intentional turn from uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he says, "Now we're heading back to Jerusalem." And so, from that point at Caesarea Philippi, he's heading towards Jerusalem. He knows what's in store for him. He's been telling his disciples actually three different times. He's told them, "Hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. Those Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, they're going to kill me." And that's what's going to happen. And they, they kind of like listen for a second and then they forget. And then they're like, well, maybe that's not what he really meant. Maybe he's telling another pair. They're just, they're just kind of like, I don't know. But they're heading towards Jerusalem. So they go to Capernaum and then they come down the east side of the River Jordan. And then uh, we're going to see in uh, chapter 21, they make this entry into Jerusalem from Bethany. And it's a king's entry. I mean, it is, if you've watched The Passion or if you've been around for the Easter dramas, this is when Jesus is on the donkey and they're coming into Jerusalem and everybody's singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're, they're, uh, wave, they're laying their clo- uh, coats out so that he can walk across them. They're wa- waving the, their uh, the palm branches and celebrating him as their king. See, they, they think he's coming. To set up a kingdom in Jerusalem. And this gets, of course, everybody, they're all pumped up and excited. Now, here's one of those things that we get messed up in, in, our, um, in our understanding of uh, Christianity. We think that all Jews rejected Jesus. That's kind of a, a misnomer that many of us grew up thinking or believing. The truth is, the large majority of Jews around the Sea of Galilee, the, out throughout uh, uh, Israel... And even in Jerusalem, accepted Jesus and were anticipating him being coming king. There was a small group of religious leaders who were against him. And those are the ones, when you go, many of us have watched these, uh, the, the renderings of, of Jesus being crucified. And we hear this crowd going, crucify him, crucify him. And you feel like it's the entire city. But in reality, it's not the entire city. It is a small fraction of these religious leaders who have manipulated the court system of that time. And they've, in the middle of the night, set up a, a, a fake court system and convicted Jesus without any real testimony. They've brought him before uh, the, the Roman governor and they've convinced him that they should, he, they should allow him to be crucified. It's all, it's all a trick. When the majority of the Jerusalem wakes up the next day, they're shocked to find Jesus on a cross. But here he is. He's, so he, he's, uh, he's marching in. It's this amazing story. He goes into the temple. Now, this is where it gets fun. Uh, here's a, I, I, for you to have a picture of what it looked like. So this is a, a model, a scale model in Jerusalem of what Jerusalem would have looked at at the time of Jesus. So here is the temple from here 
to here is the temple, and today the Temple Mount is actually right here, uh, and uh, there's lots of political stuff going on because of it, but at the time of Jesus, the, there was the temple, and when Jesus went into the temple and he goes into Jerusalem, he has this moment where he cleanses the temple. We, we like that story where he, you know, kicks all the money changers out. That all happens in this area. And he, there, I could spend a lot of time just talking about that one subject, but there's, so there's, that's where that takes place. It's this amazing, amazing facility that has taken uh, decades to build. It's an amazing place. And Jesus goes in and he, he sees all this. And then in uh, Matthew 22, he, he's telling some stories. He's telling some parables. He's, he's getting them already. He does some miracles in the temple. And that makes some people mad. And uh, then, then he, in verse, uh, chapter 23, he starts to do these, uh, he starts to talk about his second coming. So he lays all this out about the second coming that is eventually going to happen. And, and so we, we kind of get this uh, idea that it's going to be this, the old is going to be pushed away and the new is going to be in place. And so he's, he's like kind of getting into this idea of this second coming. And so he, chapter uh, 23 walks through all this and he's telling about his second coming. And then in, uh, in chapter uh, 12, 23, he, at the end of 23, he gives this prayer. He grieves over Jerusalem. So in 23, verse 37, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The other biographies of Jesus, uh, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us that he is weeping at this point. He's weeping over Jerusalem. And he says, The city that kills the prophets and stones the me- God's messengers, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look. Your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And he is, he's not, so we think, this, we almost have an anti-Semitic view of what's taking place here. Like he's ripping uh, the opportunity of salvation from the Jews and he's going to give it to the Gentiles. But in fact, what he's doing is he's weeping over the city of Jerusalem. And you'll see this in, in, uh, in uh, 24. He says he's leaving, he's leaving the temple with his disciples. And his disciples are going like, look at, look at amaz- how amazing this place is. Look, do you see all these stones? And I mean, it is, I have, I've been there. And at the Temple Mount where they've, they've uh, done the, the digging and found all the stones, there is one stone that's in the wall. They don't know how it got there. It's about the size of this room. It, it, there, there's no way for modern engineers to go, how did they do it without any machinery? But it is amazing. It's, it's this gorgeous place. It's got, there's gold. There's all the things that you can imagine. And they're just walking around like, oh, wow. Look at it. And Jesus goes, hey, uh, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when will all this happen? There's the first question. There's two questions they ask him. And they say, what sign will, your, will signal your return to the end, and the end of the world? See, do you see the two? They connect two things. Jesus has said, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. Everything that's in the temple, every stone is going to be overturned. And you can actually go there and you can see now the, every stone has literally been overturned. He's talking about that specifically. And then they connect it immediately to his second return, which he was just talking about. 
Okay, so when do, what does that mean? When's the end of the old creation and the new creation going to come into place? When's that, when's that going to happen? So they ask two very specific questions. And to the first one, he answers them. In verse 37, I don't have enough time to go into this and dig into this. But it, you, I'm laying some serious foundation here. Because you have to grab, because everything that we've been talking about is coming to this point. It's, it's right now. And he says, in verse 37, he answers the first question. He says, it is within this generation. Now, all you Bible scholars, what does he mean by a generation? I'll give you a hint. In Exodus, they came out of of, uh, Egypt, and they spent a time in the desert, and one generation passed away. That was 40. Got a few shy Bible scholars. That's 40 years. 40 years is a generation. He answers that and he says, in 40 years from now, Jerusalem will be destroyed. It's actually 37 years from the time he speaks that to the time it happens. It's within that framework of 40 years. So he gives a very pretty specific time frame for the first one. And they say, okay, what about that second question? Then he answers that. And the second part of chapter 24, he answers that by saying, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean you don't don't know you you have to know it's it's important that you know he says i i don't know i, w- I wish i could tell you but he, uh, and then he and let me show you a verse in matthew chapter 24 verse 42 it says so you too must keep watch he's saying I, he, here's what i do know i don't know exactly when but it's going to be suddenly he said he illustrates it with another story understand this if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was, uh, was coming he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. Let's say that together. Yes, you must be ready. All the time for the Son of Man will come when, the, when you least expect it. So he spends all this time. He goes, I don't know exactly. And then he transitions. And what, of course, he's got to do? He's got to tell a story. So he says, I don't know what it is, but you need to be Ready And what he's doing is he's setting this up. He has answered the question, in 40 years, that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. But I'm not sure how long it's going to be until the second coming is. Only my father knows this. And what he's describing for us is this picture that I've been showing you over and over again. He's showing us that the old creation is going, the new creation is coming, but I don't, he says, I don't know how long it's going to take for the new creation to fully overtake the old creation. But I know right now, you exist in the gap. That's where you are, where you're supposed to be praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you're supposed to be doing right now. So now he transitions, and this is the first time that we can say these stories are given to the disciples and to us to tell us how we're supposed to be living until he comes in his fullness. So at no point in all the past messages has there been a more direct message right to us, the church of 2019 he says to them now of course how does jesus teach he tells a story he says now uh in the story in in, uh, matthew chapter 25 he begins this story he says then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet a bridegroom five of them were foolish and five of them were wise five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps but the other five were wise enough to take extra along extra oil When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, 
The bridegroom is coming. Come and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you, so you too must keep watch, for you, uh, for you do not know when the day or hour of my return. So in other words, be ready. Be ready. Now, I've always heard this story and, 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 and put it immediately to myself. I need to be ready. Because the end of time is closer today than it was yesterday. Right? But when you really take time and you put yourself into the story that Jesus is telling, it changes your emotional attachment to it. I mean, how many of you have ever been in a wedding? You better been a bridesmaid. Anybody who always been a bridesmaid? Uh, anybody? <laughs> You, you've ever been, you, you know what I'm talking about. Now, you, a wedding party. You know what a wedding party is. Usually, it's a group of friends and family members, right? It's not a group of strangers. So when you hear Jesus telling this story, it is not a group of random strangers who have gathered together and are competing against each other for the bridesmaid, for the groom to come back. But this is one person who is, this is a group of people who are saying, hey, we're a family. We're doing this together. We've lived together. We've worked together. We, this is all we're doing. And then the moment comes and the groom comes and the five of them are ready and they go in and five of them have to go to the shop and they come back and they can't get in. Now, how, how do you think the people inside felt about the people outside you be the person inside and think about it being your sister that's outside you be the person inside and how do you feel about the person that's your best friend your co-worker that's outside how, how does it change your emotional attachment to it at all i hope it does or you're cold-hearted and calloused and I'm afraid of you. Uh, <laughs> but the truth is, is I'm sure that as they were on the inside, they were thinking, if I'd have just had more olive oil. If I just had, yeah, I had enough for me and the reserves for me, but if I had just even more, then I would have had enough for them, and they wouldn't be on the outside unable to get into the inside. See, the bottom line is we have to realize there's going to be a day where everything's going to stop, where the grace will stop, and that God's mercy will come and he'll say, this is the day of judgment. And there's going to be a day where there's going to be people on the outside and people on the inside. And he's going to separate those who have accepted him and been ready for him from those who weren't ready for him. He goes right from that story into the next story, and I believe that they're connected. Why? Because Matthew connects them. If you're in a Bible that is a, it has red lettering, there is no separation here. It just goes from one story to the next. And he says in the next part, he says again. So they're connected. 
Matthew is connecting these two stories. You can't disconnect them. There's context, context, context. He says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave them five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to the other, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. How many of you heard this story before? I have too. I've taught it. I've spoke on it. I've read it. I've had it beat into me. And then I realized this week, uh, there's a piece that I've been missing. It's connected. Now, let me help you grab a hold of what is happening here. Because uh, in this story, there are three people. There are, one, in, in your Bible, some of your translations have the right, I think, the right translation, talents. Here, the New Living Translation has tried to give value to it. It's good, but it's kind of a, it's still not a real good value for us. But a few weeks ago, we had a, a message about the evil servant who wouldn't forgive after he'd been forgiven billions. He wouldn't forgive the thousands. So we take that same number, talents, meaning a day's wage or how much it have, the billions of dollars and all that that's put in there, and let's do some math. I need, I need three people who help me. I need three like energetic, can't wait to be used, and by God, you're going to be a vessel used by him. Come on, three, quickly. Anybody, don't make me pull you up here. JD, good, perfect. Jeff, come, oh, Jeff's taking pictures. Come on, Allie, perfect. Uh, you, you, be, you will be great. I, I, I know your spot already. Uh, one more. Nate, get up here. Nate, you had to get a hug. Get your rear end up here, man. So, so here, here's how this works. So uh, we, we sometimes miss out on what's happening here. So we have the one who has one, uh, three, uh, that gets the five talents. So in today's terminology, I, I did some math, and if I'd have figured it out right, uh, it, according to what a talent was, so he got three of these talents, he would have got roughly in today's money, eight million, throw that up there, eight million seven hundred and seventy-four thousand one hundred and sixty dollars. Uh, JD, here you go. There you go. No, no, Allie, you got to stay down here, right? They can see over your head. You're, you're good. You're just, I, I got, I got a role for you. You're going to be perfect for it. Uh, you have, uh, she, <laughs> she's related to me. She has to deal with this. <laughs> so uh, then the, the next one who got two talents would have been roughly about $3.5 million. Here you go. Nate, you're, you're the man right there. Three point, don't put that away yet. I haven't signed it. Uh, here's another one. $1.8 million would have been the one talent. Now, how do you guys feel about me? I just gave you millions of dollars. How how, how are you feeling about me? (laughs) I better be. Right? You guys pretty excited about what I've given you? Are you pumped and excited? This is this is a big deal, right? This is exciting stuff. You guys nearly aren't excited enough. I mean, you just won the lottery. How pumped are you? Woo! Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna mess with them here in a minute because here's what happens. The, the, the first guy who has five talents, or, or how much is it, $8.7 million, it goes on to say that th- that servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. So you take the $8 million, you double it up, and now $8 million is nothing. He's got $17.5 million that he is in control of right now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Throw that next verse up there. It says that the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. So, 
seven million dollars. How you guys feeling about me? Huh? Yeah? You guys liking me? Okay, but then there's the third servant. Here's what happens with the third servant. It says the third servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid it and hid the master's money, did nothing with it. And so the master comes back. Let's continue the story. He says the master comes back after a long time. So maybe about 2,000 years since this is him telling us about how we're supposed to be living in between the, the gap period. You getting it? He's telling us a direct story. He says a long time passed. But then the master returned from his trip and called them to give account for how, of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master, full of praise, well done. You're not yet. My good and faithful servant, you have been, you're coming, you're coming. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, small amount of just $8 million. Uh, so now I will give you many more, uh, uh, many more. Let's celebrate together. Come on, yeah. Come on, woo. That was not enough. Come on, you're celebrating together. $17 million. You know what? Not only... This is J.D., my handwriting, and as the master of this amazing check, go cash that in, brother. Come on, give him a hand as he celebrates. Okay, it's pumped, it's exciting, this is awesome. But then the second servant, let's keep going, says, the second servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. Good job. The master said, well done. There you go, all right. My good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount, just a couple million dollars. So now I will give you even more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Let's do it. You got it. You got it. All right. Okay. So, man, this is here. Let me use your back. Okay. So, Nate. Nate. Ooh. I'm sorry. I was on your sweatshirt. Um, that's, I apologize. Puma. It's Puma. I like Puma. All right. Let's give Nate a hand. Come on. Celebrate as you go. <laughs> okay. So we got the third one, right? The third one. Here we go. You ready? I need you to act this out really well. Because I've seen... See, that. That's, she's already got it. Ready? Here's what he says. He says, uh, Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Give me, give me that look like you're just mad at me. You cannot believe that I, that, that I gave you a million dollars. Like, you're mad about it. Be mad. So mad. You're terrible. Roll the eyes. Come on. There it is. See? Mike, I see what you have to deal with at home. This is... Uh... <laughs> So we have this going on. She says, it says, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth and look, here is your money back. The master disappointed sends this servant who did nothing with what he had given her. Sends her away to the gnashing of teeth. I don't need to read it all. So let's boo her off the stage. <laughs> Come on, give her a hand. You guys are so eager to boo, man. <laughs> and what does he do with that, that $1.8 million? 
He gives it to the one who already had 17 million. And the rich get richer. So here's, here's what you got to grab. Is that why were the first two willing to double for their master the money that he gave them? Because they were grateful for what they'd already received. They saw their master as generous and, th- and were thankful for what he was. And, and they were, they, you, can, you can see that they were, couldn't, couldn't wait. And, and what a working environment that would be. Hey, I want to invest you with a couple million dollars. I'm trusting you with that. Now come back with something. Yes, this would be a really good environment. Why did the one person who hit it not do anything with it? Because she saw her master as harsh. Even though he gave her $1.7 million, she saw him as harsh. Now, I know if somebody gave me $1.7 million, I would not view them as harsh. Why did she view him as harsh? There was something within her. See, the first saw him as generous, and they acted generous. The one saw him as harsh, and they acted towards him. In the culture that they lived in, what she was saying to him was that I view you as nothing, therefore I'm doing nothing for you. So here's the bottom line. In your notes there, you can add this to your notes, is that our behavior is a direct reflection of how we view our master. Our behavior is a direct reflection on how we view our master. Do you see him as generous? Then you'll act generous. If you see him as as giving, you'll be giving. If you see him as loving, you'll be loving. If you see him as forgiving, you'll be forgiving. But if you see him as harsh, then you will be harsh. And this is exactly what happens. This, this person, the one, sees him as harsh, so she acts harsh in return. And so we have this situation happening of what we're being confronted is that in the story that we have with Jesus that's telling is what's being confronted here is that our view of our master will determine how we act towards him. The story doesn't end there, though, because Jesus keeps telling and continues... In Matthew chapter 25, in Matthew 25, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, this is connected to the same story. This is all one flowing story that Matthew puts together. He says, There are going to be some who will come, who will be blessed by the Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared from them from the creation of the world. So before this, Jesus says there's going to be a separation of the goats from the sheep. And the sheep are going to be put on one side. The goats are going to be put on the other. And the sheep are going to come forward. And he's going to tell them, you're blessed. You get to inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So just as it was supposed to be in the very beginning, all of what was the new creation is come back. The restoration is full. You get to inherit that. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison. I was on the other side of the gate and I couldn't get in, but you made a way for me to get in. You visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? These are all connected to one Point that Jesus is trying to make. You need to be ready. Yes. Be ready, number one, for yourself. Be ready. Be ready for yourself. When you get on an airplane, 
They'll sit you down and they do that whole little rigmarole where they tell you all these instructions, blah, 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 and you don't ever listen. And part of that, they say, at some point, if the uh, cabin pressure changes, some air mask is going to fall out of the ceiling. You need to put yours on, and even if you have a child, put yours on first before you put theirs on. Why? Because you can't help anybody if you're not able to help. So take care of yourself. So yes, number one, be ready. Be ready for myself. Number two, be ready with others. Be ready with others. See, you get to the the last story and, and Jesus goes, you did this for me. And they go, when did we? When did when did we do anything? See, some of you in here are gonna say, when did we go to the jail campus? You haven't. But there's four or five that have. That was we. We went. We went and ministered to those who are part of our church family. Because it wasn't all of us that went, but we went. When did we ever speak to those who are homeless and struggling? Well, maybe you haven't, but there's a few of us that have. When did we ever go and, and, and give to these different places? And Well, you, you might not have personally, but we have. This is the beauty of this big give that we're doing is I personally can't go to my bank account and take out 10 grand, but I believe we're going to give over 10 grand. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about we and together. And if you can write a check for 10 grand, we need to talk later. Um, (laughs) We, we had this opportunity as a group to make an impact. So be ready with others and then be ready for others. See that first story that Jesus began with. There's people on the inside, there's people on the outside. How awesome would it be? How awesome would it be to look around a room and see somebody who's here from the jail campus that you didn't go to, but we made a difference with? How cool. Is it going to be when we hear the stories of young ladies who've been pulled out of sex trafficking because we invested into it? And into ending it. Clarify that. How amazing is it going to be when we hear the stories of young men and young ladies who have got an education in Nicaragua because we invested into it? Wow. Wow. Be ready. See, this is. If those others would have had enough oil, I'm sure they would have shared it. Let's do it. Let's give, because that's the limitation of this church, is how much we're willing to participate and how much we're willing to give. Then the last point is how do we live this out? So how do we live this out? And the first one is to be grateful. See, those first servants understood what it meant to be grateful for receiving a huge amount of money. They rejoiced in it, and they invested it. They knew what it meant to be grateful. When you are grateful, you will live grateful. When you are grateful, you will live grateful. Man, I, I, I love what we're doing today. I love what this church has been doing for the past seven years. It's been a church that has been outwardly focused and doing things and going places that just because I'm, I'm up here and I get the microphone and I get to do this, it doesn't happen if we aren't doing it. 
There is so much that happens throughout the week. There's so many impactful things that have been taking place. Uh, this morning, one of our gene teamers came up to me and was sharing a story of what she was doing at her doctor's office. And that she was like sharing this story and she's like, I can't wait. I, I was doing this. And then that morning, th- this morning, <laughs> the, the personal assistant or for whatever they call it, the, the people that do all the real work, the, the doctor, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The nurse practitioner was here this morning, whatever her name is, whatever they do was here. Why? I didn't go. I wasn't there. They were. This is the power that we have. And I thank you for being a part of it. Lord Jesus, I rejoice in what you've done, and I rejoice even greater on what you're going to do through this church. Lord, I thank you for a church that is willing to give of their time, their talents, their possessions. Lord, they're able to do some great things as they give their time, and they invest in others. They see others struggling, they come alongside. Lord, I thank you. Lord, we give you the glory, and we ask a blessing upon us. And we can continue to do this in your name and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.